In this interview, we speak with Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joanne Bass, the first female senior enlisted service member of any U.S. military branch. We discuss her insights on the Air Force we need, including on people, readiness, and culture, the challenges the Air Force and DoD face, how she utilizes social media to effectively communicate, to resiliency and leadership tips, especially as we all continue to work through the global pandemic. Here are a few clips from today's show. Right now we're at an inflection point where the stakes are high. We've got to modernize. We've got to change because of where we are in this global landscape. The greatest competitive advantage that we have over every single one of our adversaries is our people. Welcome to the Air Force Judge Advocate General's Reporter Podcast, where we interview leaders, innovators, and influencers on the law, leadership, and best practices of the day. And now to your host from the Air Force Judge Advocate General School. Welcome to another episode from the Air Force Judge Advocate General School at Maxwell Air Force Base. I'm your host, Major Rick Hanrahan. Remember, if you like the show, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform and leaving a review. This helps us to grow and outreach to the JAG Corps and beyond. Well, we have an incredible guest on the show today and one that really needs no introduction, at least within the Air Force and DOD circles. We have the privilege to welcome Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joanne Bass, on the show to talk about the Air Force we need along with some of her tips on leadership. Chief Bass, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely, Major Hanrahan. It's very exciting to be here. Um, I've always enjoyed all the touch points that I've had with the JAG Corps community, and so I'm excited to be able to just have a little bit of dialogue with you and um, share some thoughts that I have. Well, ma'am, we are very excited to have you, and, and thanks again. Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joan Bass, is the senior non-commissioned officer in the United States Air Force. In August of 2020, Chief Bass became the 19th Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force and the first female senior enlisted service member of any U.S. military branch. In this capacity, she serves as the personal advisor to the Chief of Staff of the Air Force, General Brown, and the Secretary of the Air Force on all issues regarding the welfare, readiness, morale, and proper utilization and progress of more than 600,000 total force airmen. Over her career spanning nearly three decades, she's held a variety of leadership positions serving at the squadron, group, wing, and major command levels. She has significant joint service and special operations experience and has participated in numerous deployments and exercises in direct support of Operation Southern Watch, Enduring Freedom, and Iraqi Freedom. And prior to her current position, she was the second Air Force's Command Chief Master Sergeant at Keesler Air Force Base in Mississippi. So, Chief, kind of with that backdrop, maybe you could um, offer to our listeners a little more background on your on your current position and, and what your focus is right now. Absolutely. So, first of all, you know, again, thanks for letting me be on the show. If we were in person, I would have cut you off like after the first sentence, only, <laughs> because, only because, you know, nobody ever wants to hear their bio read um, in its entirety, you know, and, and it always um, amazes me, to, you know, kind of hearing a little bit uh, about the background. But I'll tell you, it's it's really the highlight of my background and the highlight of my career has always been the airmen that I, I've been so richly blessed to be around and they've helped shape who I am. And so in the capacity as a chief master sergeant in the Air Force, it again is really 
the distinct honor to be able to be an advocate to our um, total force airmen. And, and I'm not just the advocate to our enlisted corps, but also I advocate for our officers and our civilians alike. Um, it, it takes a team to be able to um, grow our air force. And so I'm focused on the total force in its entirety. Um, I, but I advocate and I advise the secretary of the air force and my boss, um, the chief of staff of the air force, general Brown, on all things concerning force management, force development, um, the pulse of our force and, and, and where we're going. And then of course, um, do my best to make sure that I'm a good listener to the things that are going on in our Air Force so that I can remain, you know, the, to remain credible and relevant as I advocate for the needs of our force. Absolutely, Chief, that's the great stuff. So today's topic is the Air Force we need. And maybe we can kind of just dive into this um, kind of in a broad sense. What do we mean by that when we say the Air Force we need? Yeah, so when General Brown um, took command, he pushed out an eight-page strategic approach on accelerate, change, or lose. And really, his focus there, along with the four action orders that he pushed out, ABCD, Airmen, Bureaucracy, um, Competition, and Design, we're all focused on strategically getting after where our Air Force needs to be in the future, how today we must modernize and, and get after where we need to be. And so I look at, for instance, what's my role? Well, I'm focused on, you know, pretty simply people readiness and culture. And in those focus areas, my long range goal, my end state is how do we build the Air Force of 2030 and beyond, and how do we build the Airmen of 2030 and beyond? So I'm very focused on um, that being the end state, making the appropriate necessary um, changes and, and evolution to focus on how do we grow the Airmen that we need um, you know, for 2030. And, and so lots of policy things that we've got to get after, lots of um, identifying how do we best recruit the talent that we need. And once we've recruited them, how do we, how do we retain them through training and, and educating and, and developing them into the airmen that we need um, for a time like this? And then how do we, of course, offboard those airmen when one day they take off their uniforms, which we all will. Yes, Chief. And obviously, with CSAF's focus um, on to accelerate change or lose, kind of um, infers uh, the notion that we're facing challenges, right? What do you see as some of the biggest challenges right now? Yeah, so some of the biggest challenges are is the global landscape that we are currently serving in has changed. And, and we are in an era of, and we're in an era of contested um, dominance. And we have to be mindful of that. When I when I think about that, I, I, I often share a story about when I first joined our Air Force, we were almost double the size that we are today in, in manpower and in airmen. We were also very focused on just one AOR primarily. You know, we were focused on the CENTCOM AOR and we were really just focused on three domains, air, land and sea. And fast forward to where we are today and where our future high end fight is going to be. We are focused globally because, again, that global landscape has changed. And so now we have adversaries near peer and I would argue peer adversaries um, across the globe. And now we have these other domains that have crept up um, and are very credible, and, and that's our space domain, cyber domain, information domain, 
or, or sometimes I like to say the disinformation domain. And we've got to be able to um, prepare and grow the airmen of the future, the airmen of 2030, to be able to um, be relevant in those domains, not just air, land, and sea, but air, land, sea, space, cyber, information, et cetera. Obviously, as you mentioned in the past, we had we had double the manpower. We we had less domains, less AORs than we, we are in today. So how do we grapple with that? I mean, less, you know, folks may be thinking less manpower, but yet kind of more things on our plate, so to speak. How do we kind of address that? Are we, is it the leverage of technology and um, the training and, and expertise of our personnel? Yeah, I think it's probably all of that and, and a whole lot more than we can probably cover in, in a quick um, show. But it's really, we're very focused on, uh, we've got to modernize our force. So how do we do that? Some of it's going to be in the terms of the weapon systems that we currently have, um, modernizing and acquiring weapon systems that we don't already have, um, capabilities that we don't already have, and also um, tapping into our greatest resource, which is our people, and tapping into the talent aspect of our people, drawing out all of their talents, their creativity, their innovation, which, by the way, innovation tends to get a bad rap, right, because it's kind of the buzzword uh, of the year. Um, but the reality is the Air, United States Air Force has been innovating for over 70 years, and, and we do it um, all the time. But, but right now we're at an inflection point where the stakes are high. We've got to modernize. We've got to change because of where we are in this global landscape. And, and again, we cannot afford not to. So we've got to cultivate a a culture where every airman sees himself in the air force and, and, and they're heard and their ideas and, and all the things that they want to do in support of our nation. Um, there's, there's a place on the table for it. Right. Chief. And I've, I've heard you uh, talk on uh, Facebook and some other platforms um, on social media and, and, and just through interviews. And I know the focus on people has been a big one. Maybe you could just kind of discuss briefly uh, with folks today, right? We're in the midst of COVID and hopefully getting through that here in 20, you know, 2021. Just any tips you may have on resiliency and, and how folks can, can work through those challenges? Wow. So, so I struggle through it myself. I will be honest with you. But let me first share just one piece real quick on the people piece and why I'm always so focused on it. You know, when we talk about our people are our backbone of our Air Force, and we talk when we talk about why is the United States Air Force the greatest Air Force in the world, it is hands down because of our people. And while we have near-peer and peer adversaries, the greatest competitive advantage that we have over every single one of our adversaries is our people. And so that's why I'm constantly focused in on messaging the people piece. Um, because without the people piece, we will never be able to take care of the mission. And so now to your question on, on the resiliency piece, goodness gracious, I, you know, I struggle with that myself. I have my amazing days and my amazing peaks. And that's where you see me kind of raw, raw on it, you know, with our airmen. Um, and then of course, um, I, I'm a person just like everybody else where, you know, I, I tend I, I tend to struggle. I'm like, man, you know, we've been going in this through this pandemic for over a year now and it can be extremely exhausting. But some tips that I would offer um, all airmen and some tips that I use for myself is as much as possible. We have to stay on a routine. 
And I think for me, the routine is what has helped me. I've tried my best to stay on the same battle rhythm and get my PT on very early in the morning, um, as well as listening to some podcasts like this one um, and feeding my brain. I found that um, if you don't feed your brain good stuff, then you stand the chance of feeding your brain not so good stuff. And so I'm very cautious in, in what I feed my brain. So take care of myself physically, keep the routine, take care of myself and feed my brain some good stuff, do my due diligence in, in trying to be the best airman and wingman and leader that I can be. And then I'm very guarded about my family time. And I haven't always been like that, but, but I think it is, you know, one of the pillars that one of the comprehensive airman fitness pillars that we have is social. And I think that social pillar is critical, especially at a time where we are physically disconnected with people at times. We need even more opportunities to socially connect with them some way or another. And so for me, that is the family, my, my immediate family, and then connecting to my family through FaceTime and, and to include, you know, very close friends. Um, and so I would offer, you know, the comprehensive airman fitness pillars, physical, social, spiritual, and mental are all huge things that you have to get after. And, and, and let me tell you, the connection piece is pretty interesting because Prior to COVID, I never FaceTimed like anybody, maybe, <laughs> maybe mom or dad in, in a year into COVID, like, sir, I would have FaceTimed you. I mean, and you know, we'd be like in pajamas or whatever, but, and, and I don't care anymore because I actually crave that eyeball to eyeball connection and I miss it a ton. Like I know so many of um, our airmen do. Yeah, Chief, I concur. I think um, it poses a lot of challenges, um, especially maybe in, that you kind of uh, alluded to here, the work-life balance or, or work-life harmony or whatever you call it. Sometimes it's hard to delineate what that even is, uh, right, with people working from home and then hybrid work schedules and all these kinds of things. So thank you for kind of uh, offering some tips there. I think that's very helpful. Another area that you've talked about having a diverse force and an inclusive force I was wondering if maybe you could speak to that and what the differences are between a diverse force and an inclusive force and, and why that's important. Yeah, so a, a diverse force is one that I believe that we have. It's a, it's a matter of fact. You know, we have um, airmen from all various backgrounds, genders, ways of life, religious affiliations, um, sexual orientations. We, we have a diverse force. What we have to aim to have is a, a force that is inclusive where every single one of our airmen, regardless of what they bring to the table, the talents, the gifts, the strengths, the diversity, they feel included and that they feel valued and ultimately they can thrive. And I think that's pretty important because, you know, when you look at most high performing teams, they're all teams that are very diverse. There's studies that show about how your 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 strongest teams are are ones that are diverse, diverse in thought and and diverse in all sorts of other ways. And so um, again, I also often share that you know diversity is inviting somebody to the dance, and inclusion is actually asking them to dance. And so um, we we need to have a force where we are actually mindful of that. That would be happening, you know, at at the ground level, so to speak, right at the flight level sir, throughout all levels. I'll be honest. I think it, what's interesting is 
I think that if you looked at the Air Force holistically, there is more diversity at the tactical levels, at, at the flight and, and squadron levels, there's more diversity. As we continue to grow in, in hierarchy of, of organizational um, levels, I think that diversity starts to get limited and, and more scarce. And that's what we have to work on as well. And that's why the inclusion piece is pretty important because if we don't have that culture that breeds inclusiveness, then some of those diverse backgrounds will eventually peel itself out of the organization because they don't feel valued and they aren't in an organization where they feel like they can thrive. And Chief, I think your comments are kind of a a natural segue into a question I know you've had many times, but being the first um, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, how have you approached that now? You've been on on the job here about uh, seven months Curious just to see what um, that's been for you, you know, maybe based on what your expectations were versus reality. You know, I've been in the Air Force almost 28 years. And while I'm very well aware I'm a female, I don't know. I don't ever like I, I don't feel like I've kind of worn that sign that that I'm a female airman. To that end, I very much recognize and it's not lost on me that by being a female airman, I am, you know, to many people, a source of inspiration because of that representation piece that I shared earlier. And so it's not lost on me. I, I feel there's a, there's an incredible sense of, man, I've got to get this right um, because folks are counting on me. And I don't think it's just, you know, a, I don't think it's just female airmen that um, are inspired or, or look up to me. But, in, you know, I think it's any airmen who perhaps can't see themselves ever maybe being a chief master surgeon in the Air Force. I've certainly got lots of um, letters and emails and messages from people, um, men and women alike, saying that, you know, because of you, I can see myself continuing to serve. So thank you. And so that's minorities, that's female um, airmen, um, and anybody, again, I think, who's perhaps had some struggles in their life. So it's an honor. It's very humbling. If I can help make the way better for the people that come in after me, then man, that's that's so worth it. But I'll be really, I'll be most excited for the day when there's no longer first, seconds, or thirds, but it's just who we are, and and it's just leaders. Yeah, Chief, great comments there, and and I can tell you got a lot of fans here um, at at the Jag School as well. Also curious to see how your transition went with. Um, Chief Master Sergeant Wright, your, your predecessor, who also had a pretty uh, dynamic presence within the, the Air Force and DOD. He did. Let me tell you. So I am probably one of the biggest Chief Master in the Air Force 18 Wright fans. <laughs> we knew each other in Germany. Again, our Air Force is small. The people that, you know, that you'll come across, you'll come across over and over again in your career. And so we knew each other in Germany. I, let me just share if I have uh, like a few minutes, I'm going to share my quick chief right story because people also always ask me, were you intimidated by following his footsteps? And what's funny is a year ago, I remember, you know, speaking to a lot of airmen and they would ask, hey, who's going to take chief right spot? And and I was like, I don't know, but I feel sorry for whoever does. And, and so it's me. But anyway, you know, uh, about 
a few months before Chief Master in the Air Force Wright got um, selected to be the Chief Master in the Air Force, I was already sitting in the Pentagon as the Chief of PME, and, and we were not in a good place at that time. We had just come out of sequestration. We had some PME rule sets that just didn't make sense anymore at the time, and as a result, we had 40,000 airmen ineligible to promote or re-enlist. It was not a good place to be. And we had to make some big changes. So when Chief Wright got into the seat, um, what I love about his leadership style is he empowers those around him. And so being the chief of PME, you know, I quickly had a meeting with him and I, you know, let him know, hey, we have got to make some massive changes to enlisted PME. Our airmen are paying the price in the field. I need you to trust me. Let me make these changes. I'm really paraphrasing everything down. But bottom line, he lets me make the changes and we change EPME, it was like, you know, the whole Air Force is cheering. He, because of that change, he becomes enlisted Jesus. And I and I call him up and I'm like, hey, dude, like if you're enlisted Jesus, I must be married because I did all the work. <laughs> <laughs> so I laugh because, again, it is humbling to be able to replace um, such a great leader like him. He did a great job in providing me just some thoughts on um, success in this position, gave me some very frank and, and candid feedback, as did all the other former chief master sergeants of the Air Force. And so, you know, I, I maintain communication with all of them. I try to speak with them all monthly. Um, and I'm just very grateful, again, um, to be able to follow in their footsteps. Great stuff there, Chief. Uh, really, really interesting. So kind of um, moving on to just a kind of another topic here, just curious on how you kind of work these initiatives uh, at the Air Force level with the sister services. Obviously, this is a very important initiative, things that General Brown is, is, is working here. But obviously, if we don't have the buy-in from the sister services, it, it could be challenging for the DOD to kind of be moving in that direction. And just curious how you kind of collaborate or, or, or and work with sister services on these big um, strategic policy type uh, movements? Well, the goodness is we have um, a uh, an organization called the DSELC, the Defense Senior Enlisted Leader Council, where we meet up um, pretty frequently. And that's myself and my sister service counterparts and, and chaired by the um, SEAC, the Senior Enlisted Leader to the Senior Enlisted Advisor to the Chairman. We, we huddle quite frequently. We're talking about the things going on in our services, the things that we'd like to collaborate more on and how we can synergize some of our efforts so that um, we can have more momentum as those things go out to the hill. We, In fact, we've got one coming up next week where we will take some thoughts uh, on, on things that we want to get after because a lot of the things that affect one service impacts another one. And, and so the more synergy that we can have going forward, the better. Great stuff there. One of the things in the show that we focus on is, is leadership. And one of the pillars of leadership is effective communication. And obviously, you are no stranger to communication uh, on all kinds of platforms, including those on social media. Just curious what your approach has been to utilizing social media to effectively communicate. Yeah. So we have a social media strategy on my team and it's pretty simple. We use it for a few reasons. And the first one is first and foremost, to be able to hear and listen to the ideas that are coming from our airmen. And and it's a great tool for that. Second, I very much appreciate it for the opportunity to be able to share 
what we are doing on a strategic level across the force. And then third, I think it just provides a great opportunity for flattened communication. You know, communication is constantly a challenge across any organization, but especially one as large as the United States Air Force. And so for that, to that end, social media is a great tool to listen, to share, and to flatten the communication. My specific approach in LOEs on social media, though, is that we really want our our strategy to be diverse. I very much value heritage in our Air Force, and I want our airmen to also appreciate the heritage that we have. So we tend to highlight a lot of the historical moments, and we highlight heritage. We love the opportunity to be able to highlight strategically where we are going. And so if that means we're going to put a meme out there and attach our action orders to it. It may seem unorthodox to folks, but man, if we get 60,000 clicks on the action order because I have a Bernie Sanders meme on there, then we're going to do it. Um, (laughs) And then we love to um, highlight our airmen. There are so many times I wish I just had a GoPro on me and every single airman could see and meet the folks that I do because there's not an airman that I meet that I'm not amazed and so very grateful that they joined our United States Air Force. I'm talking about airmen who come in with PhDs and in quantum physics to airmen who came off the streets and were homeless and had nowhere to go, but has incredible character and leadership skills and are, and are killing it leading other airmen. So I love the airmen highlight piece of what we do on our um, strategic messaging campaign. And Chief, speaking of leadership, which you just uh, opined on there a bit, do you have any tips for our, our airmen or just listeners in general on how maybe to improve their leadership abilities in, in 2021 and beyond? I would tell airmen, you know, focus on where, where you are, the organization you're in, and making it better. I would also, if I can offer three kind of quick things, if you go into my office at the Pentagon, I have three pictures posted in there. And under each picture, I have a little plaque. And, and one of them is a picture of me and my dad um, giving me the my oath of enlistment. And it says, never forget where you came from. So I would offer, you know, I ho- I would want every one of our airmen to never forget where they came from and, and remember those humble beginnings so that you can continually stay true to who you are. The second is never forget why we do what we do. I have a picture of A1C Jacobson, who was the first female airmen that we lost in the um, Operation Iraqi Freedom conflict. And and so I never want to forget why we do what we do. And then the last thing to all airmen is never quit learning. I have a picture of the Barnes Center over at Gunter Annex, and it reminds me that you are never too old to learn, especially as leaders. When I look at my career right now where we are, I have grown so much in the past 28 years, but I'll tell you, I'm, you know, I've grown so much over the last two years and, and I constantly grow every day. So never quit learning. That would be the advice that I would share with our team. Chief, thank you for those great tips. Uh, really appreciate that. Are there any, um, you know, resources or, or the things you might recommend to folks where they could kind of continue on that path of learning and, and taking uh, the initiative? Absolutely. Um, I would ask them, hey, on my um, social media site, I I believe on both Instagram and Facebook, I have a list of 
the things that I am reading um, to include now podcasts. And so I would, I would um, ask our leaders again in their um, effort to continue growing and learning to go check those out. Um, and if that's not it for you, whatever you do, just continue to grow and learn every day. Thanks, Chief. And kind of as a last question, um, obviously our topic today was the Air Force we need. Want to see if you want to leave any final thoughts on that particular topic for our listen- listeners. Absolutely. I never close anything out without just saying thank you. All of those who continue serving, whether you're an officer enlisted um, or civilian, we're an all-volunteer force. And you don't have to serve, yet you continually do. And you're part of the 1% that makes us so very special. As I shared already, our people are the greatest competitive advantage that we have over the enemy. And so I can't thank you all enough. I'm humbled and honored to serve with each and every one of you guys. And for all your listeners out there, I look forward to seeing you guys at your bases. Thank you so much, Chief. Awesome. It was great chatting with you, sir. All right. You have a great day. You too. That concludes our interview with Chief Bass. Here are three of my takeaways from the interview. Number one, we are in an era of contested dominance. As Chief Bass mentioned, we have to remain mindful that we are living at an inflection point of contested global dominance. She stated how this has changed during her career. When she first enlisted nearly three decades ago, we, as U.S. military, were almost double the size and manpower, focused on primarily one AOR in CENTCOM and the three traditional domains of air, land, and sea. Today, in 2021, the landscape is much different. We're focused globally with peer and near-peer adversaries, with additional domains including space, cyber, and the information or disinformation domain. And this leads to greater complexity and challenges from a national security standpoint. Number two, the greatest competitive advantage is our people. Chief Bass emphasized this point throughout the interview, and that's why her focus is on people, readiness, and culture with the vision to grow the airmen we need for 2030 and beyond. She reiterated that we need to inculcate a culture of innovation where we leverage the talent of our people. We need a culture that promotes innovation, not as a buzzword with a negative connotation, but genuine innovation that the U.S. Air Force has been delivering for over 70 years and all airmen are called upon to this duty. The questions then become how to modernize our force, improve capabilities, and draw the talent and innovation from our people to meet the national security objectives of the nation, especially as we continue to work through the global pandemic. And this leads me to my last point, number three. Resiliency is more important now than ever. The COVID-19 pandemic has been with us for over a year now, While there finally looks to be light at the end of the tunnel, Chief Bass offered some great insights on how to improve your resiliency and to be mindful of the four comprehensive airman pillars of the physical, social, spiritual, and mental pillars. She highlighted utilizing routine with the same battle rhythm such as with physical fitness and education. She mentioned to look to feed your body and your mind with the quote-unquote good stuff, not the bad stuff. Be mindful about your family's needs. When we're physically disconnected, we need more close family and friend time. Chief Bass said how she's very guarded now about family time, which centers on the social pillar. She's also using new technology to stay connected, like so many of us, including FaceTime, Zoom, and other apps for that eye-to-eye contact and connection. 
That concludes an interview with Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joe Ambass. Hopefully it fed your brain with some of that good stuff for the last half an hour that Chief Bass was talking about. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Air Force Judge Advocate General's Reporter Podcast. You can find this episode, transcription, and show notes, along with others, at reporter.dodlive.mil. We welcome your feedback. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. This helps us grow, innovate, and develop an even better JAG Corps. Until next time, nothing from this show or any others should be construed as legal advice. Please consult an attorney for any legal issue. Nothing from this show is endorsed by the federal government, Air Force, or any of its components. All content and opinions are those of our guests and hosts. Thank you.